Do we call it Lloyd or Lloyd Minster? Okay. If I say Lloyd, do I feel more like a local or not? Okay. So I'm glad to be here in Lloyd today. And uh, I think I find it kind of interesting. The first time we passed through here was a few months ago, and we drove through and met Daryl and his wife Sharon uh, for coffee at the, that famous place called Tim Hortons. And uh, I thought, there's a, a border that runs through, right? There's like, is it 17th Highway runs through? And I thought, wow. I mean, if the rules on, in Alberta are not to your liking, you just cross the street, right? And you go to Saskatchewan. So I guess you have to kind of choose your sides wisely, don't you? And um, speaking of choosing sides, have you voted? Are you going to vote? Okay, I won't tell you who to vote for. Just vote for the right guy, okay? And, uh, or woman. I actually don't know who's running here. Uh, so those of you who heard a bit of our story last week, you know we spent 30 years in China. That's a long time. And uh, just so you know, Chinese food in China is not the same as here, okay? And there are no fortune cookies, although I like fortune cookies. 30 years in China, then God gave us two bonus years in prison. 775 days. That's two years, one month, 11 days, and a few hours. But like, who was counting, right? And, you know, our, our story is really God's story. You know? We had worked in China and North Korea for all those years, and then this little disruption came. And I say little disruption, even though it felt like a huge, massive disruption, is what Paul calls light and momentary troubles. At the time, it did not feel light or momentary. That's, that would be true. But you know, God walks through our stories. He walks us through the stories. Isaiah 43, I think you know this. God says, uh, verse 2, Do not fear, you are mine. Okay. When you pass through the waters, what does it say? I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. They will not overcome you. Okay. When you walk through the fire, I can't quite imagine that. You walk through the fire, it says, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. We can say with full confidence and expectation that God will meet us in the middle of our storms. Because he will. That's his promise. Whether it's through water or fire or whatever we're going through, God will meet us in the middle of the storm, okay? No matter what, it doesn't matter what it is, God is in it and he's there. That's what I mentioned before we go on, we have a book that details far more than I can share today about our story. And uh, I've talked to Pastor Daryl and he said you can text, if you're watching online, you can text or email the church right now. And uh, if you want a book, they'll hold it for you. And it's uh, available also on Amazon, Kobo, Audible, things like that. And uh, we have a special today. It's $20 a book or two for 40. So you can take your pick, okay? But it's really the story, the deeper story that God gave us of his comfort, his joy, the pain, and yes, the stench, the miracles and the intimacy of God at work. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. For taking our suffering seasons and turning it into new opportunities to serve you. We can feel nearly overcome by life's disruptions and shakings, but Father, you know where we are and what we're going through. We may be cut off from normal, 
like sometimes we are now during this COVID season, physical distancing and mask wearing and everything else that means. Yet you designed each of us for a story, that story that you've already written, as Psalm 139 tells us. So Lord, open our ears, open our eyes and hearts to trust what you have done, you are doing, and what you will do. And give us faith and grace for our stories. In Jesus' name. You know, there's some verses in the Bible we don't like. Do you agree? Or maybe we just don't understand them. John 15, 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I like that. We'll have peace in Jesus. But in this world you will have trouble. Agree? Yeah, we're going to have trouble. But what does Jesus say? But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome all the trouble. We're going to go through the trouble, like Isaiah 43 says, but Jesus has overcome it. Okay? I think that's a really important thing to remember. Jesus has overcome our trouble. God says through Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 9, this is what I want to focus on today. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are the jars of clay, right? To show that this all-surpassing power, and all-surpassing power means this miraculous strength that extends our reach beyond what is humanly possible. We have this all-surpassing power in us, in these frail jars of clay, so that we know that it is from God not from us. We can't do these things on our own. We are hard pressed on every side. Yes, we are at times, but we're not crushed. We can be perplexed, but not in despair. We can be persecuted, but we are not abandoned. We might be struck down, but we are not destroyed because of that all surpassing power that resides in us. In each of us, any one of you who believe in Jesus, that all-surpassing power resides in you. I know at times it doesn't feel that way, but it's just the truth. Our story, or this part of our story started on August 4th, 2014. We were abducted. Doesn't sound nice, does it? I was not formally arrested for eight months. We had not planned to be abducted. I mean, who does, right? We don't, we don't plan to be abducted. We were invited out to dinner, kind of a normal thing in China, and um, this couple wanted to talk about their daughter, who, were going to, who was going to study at the University of Toronto, where Julie and I both graduated from. And that, that's kind of a normal thing. And um, we get to this restaurant, and there's no one in the lobby of the restaurant, except for one clerk, and the, the gentleman who's going to meet us. So we go up in the elevator with him, this is pretty common in China, go up to a private room, and his wife is there, and his daughter is not there. We thought, oh, okay. And they said, oh, she had a toothache. First sign of trouble. Toothaches. We had this dinner. It was kind of over-the-top uh, seafood dinner. And it just, it was okay. It was, it was nice. But there was something odd about the dinner. An hour or so later, Julie and I were going down the elevator. And this couple did not see us out to the door. And that's very unusual in China. And we thought, there's something odd about this dinner. I don't know what it was, but there's something odd about this dinner. And uh, the elevator door opens, and there's probably a couple of dozen people in the, the lobby of this restaurant now, where before there was none. And Julie said, oh, looks like a wedding, because I saw a couple of people with cameras. 
And uh, it was not a wedding, it was our abduction. And I learned they're quite different. <laughs> but you know, God was fully aware of what was going on at that time. You go through the rivers, they not sweep over you. Walk through the fire, they will not be burned. Okay? God is fully aware and prepared this, these frail clay jars with that all-surpassing power. We're taken back to a, what we learned was later the Ministry of State Security. It's kind of like the FBI of China. They said, we're spies. We said, you got the wrong guys, you know. We're separated at that time, actually. We're separated right from the restaurant. I didn't see Julia for about three months after that. And uh, then they took me back to our apartment. Julia didn't know this for two years. And they ran continued to ransack our apartment. We just tore the whole thing apart. So this is, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock at night when it started. Four or five o'clock in the morning, they finished tearing the place apart. And they said, okay, get some clothes for you and Julia. And I thought, uh-oh. This is going to be a bit longer than I thought. And so I grabbed some clothes and I grabbed our Bibles. And I grabbed, this is the Bible I grabbed. This is the one I had in prison for those two years. And the main guy who was ransacking the apartment, he says, you can't have that. And the Holy Spirit in me rose up because I know it wasn't me. And I said, well, that's not very nice of you. And you realize there's 18 security people in our little apartment. And, I, and the Holy Spirit rises up and says, that's not very nice. And I say it kind of loud like that. And after a moment, he says, okay, you can have your Bible with you. So I grabbed this one, and I grabbed Julia's Bible. The really funny thing is, this is not my Bible. I have no idea where it came from. On the front cover, it says Ken and Donna. I have no idea who Ken and Donna are. It was a brand new Bible when I picked it up. There's a couple of marks in it, that's it. And it was a bit bigger print, and it was a study Bible. And I said, wherever it came from, God put it there for that night. And this is the Bible I had for two years. A lifesaver. It was really a lifesaver. You know, we had lived in China for 30 years. We had lived in seven different cities over those years. We thought we, you know, kind of prepared for almost anything. But we weren't prepared for being abducted and accused of being spies but that all-surpassing power in us was prepared, because it always is. The Holy Spirit that is in, a, in us prepares us for everything that comes. In Jesus, we have all we need for what we will encounter now, tomorrow, next week, next year. We have all we need. Doesn't mean it's not difficult. It is incredibly difficult. It was incredibly painful. but God prepares us and he strengthens us no matter what we're going through. The big question that people ask says, so why? Why were you taken? There are two answers to that question. One is, Canada arrested a Chinese spy named Su Bin in Vancouver. China took us as pawns. We became the trading cards in, in this thing. China wanted to trade us for this spy that Canada arrested at the request of the U.S. Does it sound like a familiar story? It's exactly what's going on right now if you watch the news about the two Michaels who've been in prison in China for over a thousand days now. It's exactly the same story. They were taken because at the request of the U.S., Canada arrested a lady named Meng Wenzhou 
who's now in house arrest in Vancouver, China took the two Michaels as bargaining chips. So our story wasn't because of what we did. Our story is because God chose us for this story. But there's another why, and I'll tell you about that. That's the why everybody knows. Okay? The why of China is Subin. But there's a why of God. God's why is much more important. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. This is God's purpose and really his why. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's the why. Okay? God took us so that we could be that aroma, that fragrance of Christ in the ministry of state security, in that prison that I was later put in, that we could be that aroma of Christ in that place. That's the why. And whatever we go through, that's God's why. So that we can be that aroma. So that we can show that all-surpassing power resides in these frail clay jars, leaky as they are, broken as they are, so that we can show Christ. So that everyone has a chance to come to a knowledge of the truth that is Jesus. You know, this has been going on for years. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Christians have been falsely accused, imprisoned, and worse for many centuries. Acts 14 tells us about Paul and Barnabas. Okay? Acts 14, 19. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, won the crowd over, they stoned Paul. That's a bit worse than being abducted, I think. Dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Well, you'd think he was dead because he was stoned, meaning large rocks were thrown at him until he was bruised, bleeding, and not breathing. Verse 20 goes on to say, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. I think that's amazing. It's not because he was some superhero or anything like that. It's because of that all-surpassing power in him. I'm sure he was bruised and breathing, uh, bleeding. I'm sure he was. But he got up because of that power in him. Okay? As you and many others around the world gather around us, during those two years in prison, and still do, we were able to get back up too. I don't know if the disciples prayed, but I think they did. And Paul got up, and that's an amazing, the amazing thing. You know, after we abducted on August 4th, 2014, we were held in what's called a black jail in China. Means it technically doesn't exist. We were put in this black jail, threatened with execution, interrogated hours every day for six months. The Canadian government didn't know where we were. Very limited access to the consular officials. And I, I like to figure things out. So I, I watched. And I figured there are 50 or 60 guards in this complex just for us. We're the only prisoners in this black jail. And I thought, wow. They must have been watching too many James Bond movies, I think. But that's the only thing that makes sense to me. But during that time, during the entire two years, those 775 days, we had no helpline, no Facebook, no email, no Amazon delivery. How sad is that? No Uber Eats, no lawyer for almost a year. And limited contact with the Canadian Embassy. Later, it was once a month for 30 minutes. 
I would have contact with the embassy. After those six months of interrogation, saying we're spies when we're not, Julia's moved to what they call bail pending trial, kind of like house arrest. So back to our apartment. That's when she saw it for the first time after six months. It was still all just torn apart. And I was moved to a public prison where there was 900 prisoners. Put her in a cell with 14 other inmates. I felt afraid. As they were moving me to the prison, they told me that's where they were taking me. I, I felt fear. And I prayed, God, not, no, 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 not prison. Not prison. I felt like I was entering hopelessness. But God was there. God was present. And that all-surpassing power was there. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's not just in the good times. It says, Lean not on your own understanding. I didn't understand it. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Going to prison didn't seem like the straight path I had imagined. It wasn't what I was expecting, but it was God's straight path, what he wanted us to be part of. In that prison, God, I, I started a basic routine. Every morning, 3 or 3.30 in the morning, I would wake up to pray, to read, to worship, very quietly, because there's 14 people in my cell. The lights are on 24-7, so that, that was okay. And in those early hours, every morning, throughout the day, in the midst of a, a horrible, horrible situation, in the midst of pain, hunger, loneliness, God showed me he was present and at work. And that his all-surpassing power in this frail clay jar was sustaining, encouraging, comforting, giving insight, strength, and wisdom, allowing me to be that aroma of Christ in that place. I remember one of the first guys to introduce himself to me. His name was Henry Gao. I call him Henry. He said, um, he came up to me. He was trying to encourage me because I wasn't really uh, very happy that first day I got there. I was, I was nervous. I was afraid. I'd only heard bad things about prison. Henry comes up to me, and this is, everything's in Chinese. Henry says, Kevin, just think of this as a long holiday. Sorry, Henry, that doesn't help. A little bit later, as he saw that I would get up every morning, read and pray, because people would notice. During the day, I would, I would read, read my Bible. He said to me, Kevin, I think God's giving you a chance to study. I'm like, yeah, hours every day. Later, he went to trial, came back convicted, because you know in China, there's a 99.9% .9 conviction rate, right? You're guilty no matter what, basically. That's how it works in China. And then he was sentenced to five years in prison for his, what he did, or maybe didn't do. And then he said to me, Kevin, I want to believe like you. You see, if I hadn't have been in that prison, that aroma of Christ wouldn't have been there. God put me there, not only for Henry, but many others who came to me and talked to me and just said, Tell me about this Jesus. My mother is a believer, but I don't know this Jesus. Tell me about him. Again and again, that happened. It didn't take the pain away or the hunger away or the loneliness away, 
But God kept allowing me to be the aroma of Christ in that place. I remember every day getting up, and I don't think a day went by that I didn't. I said, God, you gotta help me do this again. Every single day. And it wasn't once a day, it was many times a day. God, I can't do this. You gotta help me do it. And that all surpassing power would kick in. The Holy Spirit would be at work. In prison, it's not like prisons here. I don't know if any of you visited a prison or anything like that. But food in, in this Chinese prison is slopped in through the door into a, a plastic bucket, basically. You uh, pay for your food. You have to have money to do that. There is no food 28.4% of the time. Communal showers in a glass enclosure. So it means the 14 people in your cell, you know, they can watch. That's not fun. Inmates of every kind of criminal background passed through my cell. I had 80 or 90 people who passed through my cell in the 19 months I was in that cell. Murderers, thieves, drug addicts, gambling, corruption. A few who could be sentenced to death to be executed. But God was at work, and I remember very clearly one morning, it was around 10 o'clock in the morning. I was going about my routine. I don't know really what I was doing at that point because uh, that's after your daily inspection, after the breakfast, which wasn't very nice every day. And God all of a sudden, forcefully, and I, I can only say this forcefully because it, it wasn't like that gentle whisper we think of God speaking. It was something that God was kind of saying, pay attention to this right now. It's that simple children's song. Jesus loves me. What's the rest? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I, I paid attention because it, it felt so urgent. So I just started kind of singing that kind of under my breath, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Moments later, two guards came to the door, called me out, put me in handcuffs, took me to an interrogation room, and then they charged me with espionage. In China, one possible sentence for being charged with espionage is execution. They had threatened me with execution many times, but this is now they're charging me with this. Fear filled my heart for a moment. But then God said, don't lean on your own understanding. He says, I dropped that song in your spirit for a reason. Pay attention. Jesus loves you. And you know it because the Bible tells you. And I knew again God was at work. And I didn't have to fear that all-surpassing power. The Holy Spirit who resided in me was at work. Again. Always. You know, we get to choose to rely upon God. It is a choice. You know, every morning I had to choose. And truly every day we have to choose. I like what C.S. Lewis says. He says, rely on God has to begin again all over, every day, as if nothing had been done. We get to choose every single day what God is doing and to rely upon him. And we will see him faithful. Doesn't mean it's pain-free. It just means we see God at work and we see him and that all-surpassing power at work in us. In March 2016, it was about six months before I was convicted and deported, and I had no idea about what was going to happen. 
Uh, no news for months and months and months. But as I was reading that day, I, uh, I happened to be reading in Daniel 10. Okay? And I, you know, I had a plan every day of what I was doing. I would always start in Psalms. I go to the New Testament, go back to the Old Testament, you know, go to the Gospels. I always had a plan of what I was going to read. So I, I, had, I got to read this a lot every day. And so I was in Daniel that day. Verses 2 and 3. It says, At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine, touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. And God spoke to me, fast. So I decided I would fast for three weeks. And I thought, I'll, I'll start on the first of the month, because this was just, just before the beginning of March. But, and I thought I would start March 1st because, well, the math is easy. March 1st to 21st, that's easy, right? I could figure that out. But as happens sometimes, for whatever reason, and this seldom happened, food that was kind of good arrived at the door. Now that, okay, I'll start tomorrow. You don't ever do that, do you? No. Anyways, I ended up starting about three days later, you know, kind of kicking myself a little bit. God, I wanted to start on the first. And about a couple weeks, or about a week and a half into this, into this fast, and the, the prison officials were not happy. You know, they're charged with keeping me alive. And here I am fasting in this prison. And so they're not happy at all. But I said, you know, it's not a protest. I'm just fasting. And I tried to explain it to them. But halfway through, 10 days or so through, I had this thought, I could eat a boiled egg. It just a strange thought. And I knew, you know, sometimes you could get boiled eggs in prison, you know. And, uh, but what has to happen, and there's a whole process to get them, you have to ask the guard. The guard has to ask the kitchen. The kitchen has to be in a mood to do it, and then the kitchen has to talk to the chickens, right? They have to be in the mood as well. And you can't order one egg. You have to order 50 or 100 boiled eggs. And you have to order them, because, and you have to share them with the whole cell. So that thought goes through my mind, and I said, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm not, this is nothing out loud. And I said, no, I'm not I'm fasting. I'm not, I'm not even going to suggest to the cell leader we should order eggs today. The first... And only time in my 19 months in that prison cell, the kitchen came by selling boiled eggs. The only time in 19 months. And I thought, God, why do I lean on my own understanding when you know what you're doing? And yes, we bought 50 eggs that day for the cell. But I think how incredible that God knows exactly where we are, exactly what's going on. He put the thought in my mind about you know, a, a boiled egg. And now I still like boiled eggs if they're nice and warm. And, uh, you know, I just thought, God, you are so, so amazing. Incredible. You know, when I, I was first detained, my prayer was not very spiritual. It was like, God, get me out of here right now. You ever think things like that? I don't want to be in this situation, God. But it changed kind of quickly. To Luke 22, 42. Not my will, but yours be done. I just had to agree, it, it can't be my will, 
It can't be what I want. On well, September 15, 2016, Julie and I were reunited in Vancouver. I had been found guilty 36 hours before, and then I was quickly deported back to Canada. Caught the Canadian government by surprise. But you know, because of thousands of people around the world praying. People said, how did you get out? What happened? Well, certain prime ministers would like to say, we did it. But I know it was because of the prayers of thousands of people around the world. And sometimes you think, after any horrendous experience, you know, I find God doesn't say, you know, rest, take it easy, you know, you've had a hard time, just wait till heaven now, it'll be okay. And I, I'm not saying don't take rests or vacations, I'm not saying that. I'm saying remember that you have that all-surpassing power in you. Remember what happened with Paul? Acts 14, he was stoned, he was dead. The next verse, verse 21 says, the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. He didn't take a rest. He didn't take a vacation because of that power in him. He didn't take a spa day even. You'd think he had PTSD. I mean, after being stoned or something like that, you'd have PTSD. I actually think he had PTRD, post-traumatic rock syndrome, but I think. But I want us to remember, you know, we're going to go through things. We're going to have trouble. Every one of us will have trouble of some sort, right? We will. We might be hard-pressed on every side, but remember, we're not crushed. We may be perplexed, but we're not in despair. We may be persecuted, but we are not abandoned, ever. We may be struck down, but we are not destroyed. Because of God. God prepared us for what's next in our chapter, okay? We have been struck down for those two years, but we are not, sir, sir, we are not destroyed, right? God gave us an incredible opportunity to return to Asia, a country called Myanmar. I want you to take a, a quick look at this video about what we're, we've been able to do in the last three years in Myanmar. best stories for each one of us and sometimes we think we write better stories than God and we would have never even imagined that we would come back 
from that prison season and God was preparing us to go into Myanmar and serve in there. And you know, February 2021, that country, we'd already been there for a couple of years serving through a whole miraculous set of circumstances that happened because of prison. Because we said, how can we go to another nation? We don't know the language. We don't understand their culture. We'd lived in China for over 30 years and served in seven different places there. We'd worked in North Korea. We met a pastor from Myanmar. And he just said, tell us a little bit about yourself. And we did. And this is right on the border of Thailand and Myanmar where this happened. And while we were talking to him, he said, I can tell you're not zoo visitors. <laughs> Welcome to Myanmar. And it was like his words, he was saying, you're not just the people that come in with the cameras and take the pictures and go home and you want to say how bad it is in our country or you want to say all these terrible stories or you just want to say you came in and did a great thing and went out. He said, if you've served for over 30 years and you were able to go through two years of prison, you can understand our nation because we've been in prison for decades. Our nation has been under persecution for decades. And we just, you know, I call it the Holy Spirit heartbeat starts beating. You know, he's given us that all surpassing power and sometimes you can actually feel the beat of him in there. And uh, sometimes you can actually feel him just like whispering or speaking or what Kevin said, shouting into your brain. And so we just felt, okay, God, this is your story. We've given our lives to you when we signed up for not your will, but my, not my will, but yours be done. This is what we signed up for. Him to be the director, the advocate, the helper, the guide of our entire lives. And so, you know, we went into this country and you just saw a couple of glimpses of stuff. And looking back, Kevin and I are like, wow, isn't it amazing what God did? And in February 2021, there was a coup in Myanmar, which meant it went from a Buddhist, uh, kind of a Buddhist democracy for 10 years back to a really terrible dictatorship under the military. And so when that happened last February, we were like, wow, it's the same kind of nations like we've served in. We understand. And when we were just back there recently, we just came back in August, um, we were talking to people and they were saying, we don't know how to work in this kind of nation. Can you give us some tips? Can you help us? Can you train us? And then the people of Myanmar, well, actually, I just, we just got a little note this morning from a girl that works up in the north. We work in three areas with three national partners, and we do training, and we set up what's called life hubs. And one of the national partners up in the north of Myanmar, she just sent us a message this morning, and she said, it's because of your story. I know it's because of your story that you can help us. And I'm so moved for your love for the poor. And she said, I'm working day and night to make use of any resource you put in my hands to serve the poor. And she's a doctor. And right now she's setting up a medical clinic for all the people that are fleeing into the jungles. There are 211,000 people from persecuted ethnic minorities that have fled because the military has infiltrated their land with bombs and gunshots and taking plundering their houses and they're all fled into the jungle 
And COVID is there too. <laughs> but they have no resources, they have no hospitals, they have no clinics. She's laying down her life and she feels like she has a friend in us. <laughs> because she's like, I'm doing this, but someone gets it. Our other partner, we call him So. And you know, when I was in the prison, in the one room, six hours a day of interrogation, two guards actually planted inside my room all the time, the lights on 24 seven. And I'm in that room. And the one thing I missed, besides, first I missed children the most, the sound of just giggles or laughter, some kind of just joyful noise. And the second thing I missed the most was color. And so our partner So, just fast forward to Myanmar, our partner So, he is serving in the jungles, preaching the gospel, bringing emergency aid, which we're providing like mobile water systems and, and food aid like rice and all kinds of the things that you saw in the pictures. And we're helping stateless youth, training them how to make the aid so that they can send soap and things like that. And we said, Okay, we have an idea for how to help you share the gospel in the jungles. And that idea came because of that prison experience where I thought all I wanted to see was color. And so we got together and wrote this book, Let Your Light Shine, in bright color. It looks like a children's book, but we thought all it'll be is a burst of color in the jungle. It's written in Burmese and English, and it's being translated right now into Karen. And then we got these lights called Little Sun Lights, and we had given some a year before the coup. A year before the coup, we'd given some for some of the displaced people there that are, were already displaced due to corruption. And these little solar lights, kids can run around and wear them, and they charge up all day because they have the panel on the back. And so we matched this book to tell the story of these little sons coming into the jungle. And then what our little son, the son of God, he goes into the jungle too, but he remains in each of our hearts. And so he's taken a thousand of these into the jungle and it's their only light. You see, God doesn't even waste one experience. So you may say, what that happened to me seems like a waste, a waste of time. Why did that happen to me? Why was I suffering for so long? Why did this happen? And it isn't nice, a lot of the stuff we go through. But God says, I won't waste it. I won't, won't waste one seed. I won't waste one thing that you went through. I will use it for eternity. And just as Paul was not I mean, he didn't die at that time, he could have died. But even if he had died, or even if we had died, because not everybody comes out alive, not everybody gets through the stoning, God still doesn't waste that seed. And I just want to say that, you know, I went back to England, I was born in England, and after we came back from our experience in China, we went, were able to speak and go and be invited in England. And on that trip, I just said, can we just stop by at my little town where I was born? And we went there and the mayor came to meet us because all of a sudden we're 
world-famous people that are coming to this little town in England. So he dressed up and he came and met us and he came to a church where we shared there. And it was just a really beautiful time. But for me, the most beautiful time of that whole time there was I was walking down the street, the little main cobblestone street there in England in this little town. And there was a martyr, like a memorial there. And it said, William Hunter burned at the stake, 18 years old, for reading an open Bible. And all of a sudden I thought, that was a horrible tragedy. He died, and if you can read the whole story, and it's just so sad. But I just felt, wow, God, you just raised up a little tiny seed like me, a little jar of clay, and let me go and live my life fully devoted to serve you, to bring other people to the knowledge of Christ and to reach the poor and vulnerable communities and to help them to have these livelihood options. You didn't waste that death of that 17-year-old boy who then was 18 when he was burnt in a time in England when you were not allowed to read the Bible in English. You had to go and learn it from the church readings of the Bible. God does not waste anything, does he? Like, it's amazing. And then we have this other family, which we hope to introduce today, but because they live in Saskatchewan. What's that? Kinistino, sorry. I knew it was a Kit Kat bar or something. But anyway, they live in this little town. You know what? They're about to go back with us in January. And carry out a vision that God's given them to partner with these vulnerable people. And the story that God writes spills and unfolds in miraculous ways as long as we don't stand in the way with our own brains and our own thinking and our own mindsets. As long as we go back and we say, God, your word, I trust in your word. I believe that when Jesus, in, in John 14 to 16, when Jesus said, you guys have been hanging around me a long time, you disciples. I'm, I'm really feeling sad because I'm going to leave you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Don't worry, it's going to be great. He's going to live inside you. He's going to be your advocate and your helper and your guide, and he's going to be your standby. He's going to reveal everything about me to you and everything about the Father to you, and he's going to bring the word alive. That's what we've off been offered. That's what we've been offered, and I think sometimes, I know people are talk about minimalism in their life, but what about minimalism in our spiritual life? Do we minimize the power of God or feel like we're not good enough to let it work in us? That full, all-surpassing power. The moment we say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I cannot do this on my own. I believe that you came and you died for me. And if I follow you, you will flip my life around. And I will live the design that I'm designed to live. And not only that, you will live in me. Your Holy Spirit will live in me so that this week, Ordinary person who couldn't go through, I couldn't go through six hours of interrogations without the Holy Spirit in me. I'm just not strong enough. And yet with that, he flipped it around so my interrogators got healed. 
I got words of knowledge and then they got healed. He flipped it around so Kevin could share the gospel with so many people. So my interrogators later, some of them could come to me and say to me, tell me the story of Jesus again. That's the kind of God we all are invited to follow and we're all invited to live our stories with that all-surpassing power. There's so much more we could say. So much more of our story. Feel free to pick up our book if you like, the end of the service. But I want to say something. We're not superheroes. God is the superhero. The Holy Spirit residing in us is the hero. Because we couldn't do any of this on our own. There's no way. And I, I share with you already, every day, many times a day, I say, God, you gotta help me again. And you know what happens when we say that? He comes. He helps. He strengthens. He encourages. He gives wisdom. He gives understanding. He brings healing. He does all those things and so much more. Can I remind you again, we are just frail, leaky, weak jars of clay, just like you. No different. And we all have this all-surpassing power that resides in us. Each of us do. Every one of us is the same. And I want to encourage you, whether you're watching at home or you're here today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I encourage you, talk to someone. If you're at home, write, email, call, text someone and say, I want to know about this Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know this Jesus, talk to someone. Talk to Pastor Daryl, the staff, or someone. Talk to someone and say, I want to know this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus who gives life, who empowers, who gives strength, who gives meaning to who I am. I want us all to look at this verse again from 2 Corinthians. Maybe we can read it together. Can we do that? But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, and remind you, what is this all-surpassing power? This miraculous strength that extends our reach beyond what is humanly possible. Read it with me. Is from God, not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Okay? Perplexed, but not in despair. Okay? Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but we are not destroyed because of Jesus. I encourage you, take those words to heart. Think about who Jesus is in you. Maybe there's a question to ask. Is it time to get back up like Paul? Is it time to get back up from being struck down? Because you're not destroyed, right? Is it time to shake off the fear and maybe the pain and say, God, whatever you want, whatever you want me to do, wherever you want me to go. And just remind yourself, yeah, I'm a frail, leaky, weak jar of clay, but I have this all-surpassing power in me. Thank you.
Thank you, Kevin and Julia. We appreciate you sharing this morning. Something that you said struck me and, and, you know, that we are to be the aroma of Christ. I get it. We, we, sometimes we grumble, we complain, and I wonder what kind of aroma we are. If you were in Lloydminster the other day, you smelt an aroma, because I think it was through the city. And I pray that's not what we smell like. I pray that we are attractive and not repelling. That we'd lead people to Christ, to the way in which we live and conduct ourselves. And not just here, but as we extend ourselves to the world around us. Let us represent him. Would you pray with me as we pray for Kevin and Julia, that God would strengthen them, provide for them. They have, of course, a budget to reach and to meet. And let's pray that God would, would supply everything that they have need of. Father, we thank you for Kevin and Julia. We pray that you'd bless them. We thank you for them. Lord, we pray that you would supply everything that they have need of. Lord, that you would keep them safe. Lord, they're coming and they're going. Lord, I pray that you would order their steps. Father, we thank you that nothing is wasted. Lord, those, those years, those days, those hours, Lord, you redeem every single one of those. And Father, we thank you that they don't do it for a reward here on earth. Lord, we know that their reward is in heaven. So Lord, we pray that you'd provide for them, their budget, their needs, those who would work with them, Lord, keep them safe. We thank you, Father, for what you're going to do through their lives and their ministry and as that pours into others. Lord, we pray that you'd bless them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I want to encourage you to ask them some questions as you leave this morning. Glad that you could be here with us and uh, thank you for coming. May God bless you and be with you.